Well, we're continuing our uh, fall series called Healthy Habits, Predictable Patterns for Spiritual Growth. And this is a kind of back to basics series, just talking about eight healthy habits, eight spiritual disciplines that uh, we might engage to uh, really to place ourselves before the Lord so that he can do the work of transformation in us. Uh, you know as well as I know that we can't fix ourselves spiritually. The brokenness is such that that's a losing effort. But there is something we can do, and that is to regularly present ourselves to the Lord so that he might continue to do his work in us and we might be less resistant to that work, right? That's what these disciplines really do. Uh, Last week, Pastor Brian shared about the idea of uh, serving, the spiritual discipline of serving, using whatever gifts we've received to serve others. Today, we look at the habit of fasting. Uh, Jesus said some stuff about this, and we're going to read that uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, a couple different sections. First, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses uh, 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then from Matthew 9, uh, verses 14 and 15. Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when's the last time you heard a sermon about fasting? Have you ever heard a sermon about fasting? <laughs> I, was, I was reflecting on this, and you, you all, uh, Fifth Family, know my story. I came to Christ in, in my early 20s, and I was trying to think back on the number of messages or uh, any kind of teaching that I've engaged around the, uh, the, the discipline of fasting as described in the Bible. And I, I've, I've got to be honest, it's very, very few and very little. Right, this is, this is a, I, I haven't heard much about this. I, I wonder if you have the same experience. I started wondering why that is. And I don't know that I know for sure, but maybe we can speculate together why that might be. Think, think of our, our culture, our fast food culture. Right, fast food is considered desirable for the very reason that we get it now. So we can eat it now because we're hungry now. There was a fast food chain in Iowa, which gladly didn't survive, (laughs) called Hot and Now. (laughs) Their food was horrible, just horrible. Um, I was just just in Tucson, Arizona, so that uh, that was west enough in our country where I got to see the pinnacle of all fast food establishments. You know what I mean, in and out Burger. It's really good if you've never been. But why? Why is it good? Because we're in and out fast, right, with not-so-bad food. Um, The fast food mentality is a natural fit with two of the three big idols of our culture. You know the idols of our culture, I hope. Comfort 
convenience, and security. Uh, we bow to these things regularly, pay homage, and give our offerings. I encourage you to think about it, really. This isn't just a line in a sermon. I encourage you to really think about this. Let this idea of these three things being idols for us percolate in your spirit. Think for a moment about how much time, energy, and resource gets directed at one of these three things. And I, I believe if we're honest, the answer is staggering. Staggering. We like feasting way more than fasting. We like satisfying our appetites, not denying them. The not-so-subtle messaging of culture says, if you desire something, you should pursue it. In fact, if you want it, it's your right to get it. And if anyone says otherwise, they're the haters. That's the messaging of culture, right? We really do prefer feasting to fasting. And, and there's a good side to this. It's not all bad, right? God created the world good. Christians believe that we can enjoy the good creation God has made. And, and God made food, not just for the utility of powering our bodies for work, but, but to be enjoyed, savored, delighted in. I mean, think of it. Meals bring people together. Food tastes wonderful, except for lima beans. Those things are horrible. Where did those come from? So feasting is a celebration of God's good creation, as it should be. Like, we're, we can enjoy the creation. We're supposed to enjoy the creation, right? This is good, the way the Lord intends. The Bible promises a big feast when God's kingdom is fully come. Remember the words we speak at communion. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and foretaste of the great feast of love of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come. There's a big party coming. There's going to be good food. And it's been pledged to us by God. Writes author Justin Whitmull early, we were made to feast, not in order to become full, but because we are full. We are to celebrate that fullness by feasting. Feasting to fill the emptiness is not feasting, it is coping. Ouch. That's the problem. We like feasting over fasting because it's a coping mechanism. I think this is a big reason we don't talk much about fasting because to fast would be to give up our coping mechanism. Right? And this idea of of feasting in an effort to fill ourselves isn't limited to food. We like being full of whatever we like because that soothes our emptiness. And whatever we look to as a coping mechanism, a way to try to fill that which is empty is a kind of spiritual food, a food that in the end does not really satisfy. But in fasting, we choose not to feast. We choose not to try to soothe the emptiness by consumption. So why? Why do that? If you already feel empty, why fast? Well, it turns out there's some really good reasons to fast. We'll think about four of them today. First, Jesus fasted. 
just in and of itself, that's probably enough, right? We ought to do the same. Remember after his baptism, Jesus went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. When confronted with the greatest temptations of his life, Jesus turned to fasting as the primary supporting practice in his spiritual struggle. When he felt empty, he refused the urge to try to fill that emptiness with anything other than God and his word. The very first temptation Jesus encountered had to do with his physical hunger, remember? The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, Jesus knew scripture and he was uh, answering the temptation with scripture. He was quoting Deuteronomy 8, verse three, which recalls a time when the Israelites were in the wilderness and hungry. God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So clearly God caused the Israelites to hunger, a kind of forced fast for the purpose that they would experience his provision, a kind of provision that neither they nor their ancestors had known, a whole different kind of provision, and a kind of provision that would be instructive, intended to teach them and us, I believe, that what we really need God will provide. See, Jesus fasted because he knew that fasting is a way to strengthen our trust in God for what we need. It's powerful in that. And following Jesus is more about just believing in his life, right? Following Jesus means living the way Jesus did, doing the kinds of things that, that Jesus did, living into his lifestyle, trying to become like him in, in his living, not just believing things about him in our head now, right? So Jesus fasted. Again, that by itself is enough for us to try it too. But there are more reasons why we should fast. Jesus expected us to fast. The scriptures we read today, I, I believe, point that out. It kind of shows that Jesus assumed, took it for granted that his followers would fast. Uh, look at Matthew 6 again. When you fast, do not look somber, but when you fast, put oil on your head. Not if, but when. When you fast. See, the spiritual practice of, of fasting is never commanded in Scripture, but there are many examples of people fasting in Scripture. I mean, it's a who's who list of biblical characters. Moses to Esther to Daniel to Anna to Paul. Uh, all of them practiced fasting. Again, never directly commanded, but it's clear that Jesus assumed we would when you fast. He also talked about the timing of our fasting. Then John's disciples came and asked, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but you, your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. See, we have the when and the then of fasting. Then they will fast. Jesus expected we would fast during the time after he departed, but before he returned again. Do you know what? When that is? Now. The, the age of the church. 
after his ascension and before his return. It, it's critical in the now because now is the time of struggle, you know, personally and corporately. Personally, our, our struggle to become the people God has declared us to be. It's a daily struggle. You know it as well as I do. Fasting is a powerful tool in that, in that effort. The corporate struggle to work with God, to be God's co-workers in the world, a, a broken world, an angry world, to hold up Jesus as the world's only savior. You know, I believe Jesus expected us to fast because he took it for granted that we would be in touch with the power and the effects of fasting, which are two more reasons why we should fast. So Jesus fasted. Jesus expected us to fast. And fasting reveals our need. More than any other spiritual discipline, fasting has the power to reveal what controls us. I believe that's why Jesus fasted in the wilderness. You know, he fasted to face his greatest temptations, which, by the way, are the three big categories of our greatest temptations as well, appetite, ambition, and approval. I mean, think about your struggle. It fits in there somewhere. Right? One of the reasons to fast is to seek spiritual breakthrough from those things that control us. Also, fasting has power to reveal misplaced trust as we lay aside something upon which we've been relying for comfort, as we let go of something that has become for us a way of coping, as we embrace discomfort and denial of self over fast food-like spiritual solutions, there is a spiritual clarity that, that emerges that is difficult to describe. I, I don't know if you've had this experience in fasting. I know that I have. The Lord really does use fasting to show us that he will provide what we really need. Really. In, in this sense, fasting reveals things in which we've been trusting and helps us redirect our trust back to Jesus. Because we all know it's one thing to say that you trust somebody and something completely different to actually place your trust in that person. Um, Crystal, my wonderful wife, leads our K-Quest program on Wednesday nights. This is for elementary age boys, our midweek kind of program. So Crystal leads, and Greg Ingersoll and I get to help out this year. Greg and I are partners in crime, brother. So this, this past week, we studied the story of Esther and how uh, you know, Esther came to this place in her, in her life where she had to put her faith on the line. And um, if you don't know the story, I'm not gonna explain it all now, but she was confronted with this situation where she had to place her life at risk. And unless God showed up and helped, she would die. So it was, that's trust, right? So Greg and I, had, we did the little huddle group. So I had four or five boys, Greg had four or five boys. And, and the assignment was to go around the group. So I did this with my guys. I, I said, hey, Manny, do you trust me? Oh, yeah, Pastor John, I trust you. Hey, hey Owen, you, you trust me? Aaron, you trust me? Jack, you trust me? Oh, yeah, yeah, we trust you, we trust you. Then I asked this question. Hey, is there a difference between saying you trust someone and, and actually trusting that person? And right when I asked the question, I thought, oh, no, abstract thinking doesn't develop till middle school. This is going to be a losing endeavor here. And it was. They all went, huh? <laughs> what? But then came the trust fall exercise with the blindfold. 
So put the blindfold. I think Owen was first. Put the blindfold on the log. Can you see anything? No. Okay, Owen, cross your arms like this. Put your feet together. Now your goal, what you're trying to do is fall directly over your heels backwards. Don't catch yourself with your foot. Don't break at the knees. And don't unfold your arms. Just fall directly over backwards. That's putting your trust in someone. I was the catcher. <laughs> right? So I asked someone earlier on, do you trust me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think any of them could do it the first time? Right. To place your trust in someone is way different than saying that you trust someone. All Christians are talking about, and I, sorry you fifth regulars if this gets old, when we talk about accepting Jesus, giving your heart to Christ, um, committing your life to Christ, it's the, it's the trust fall into the arms of Jesus. Because you know what, when, when human beings fell from God's grace, we perpetuated this, this falling moving forward. We can't catch ourselves. Sticking a foot out is not going to help. Going like this isn't going to help. The only thing we can do is fall into the arms of Jesus. To, to place our trust in actuality in Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. And you can do that anytime. We all have to do it over and over again in our lives. But if you have never done that an initial time, that first giving up, that first complete unbroken fall backwards into the arms of Jesus, do that. He is trustworthy. He can and will catch you. And it's a way better place to live. So, Fasting reveals our need. But fasting reveals the one who meets our need. Yes, fasting reveals what controls us and reveals our misplaced trust, but it also helps us listen to what the Lord is saying. And I don't know what your experience of fasting is. If you haven't tried it, I hope you will. That's the challenge at the end of today. But as I've fasted in the past, I feel like I've experienced a kind of slowing down in, in my spirit, a, a slowing down of everything, an increased awareness of God, a kind of recalibration uh, back to life and faith that's centered on the cross of Jesus and uh, a kind of expanding of my understanding that Jesus is Lord of all, not just of my little life or our little church or this little community or what, but but. You know, but our fasting is unto the king of the universe kind of thing. There's, God does so much as we engage this discipline and, and set ourselves before him. When we fast, we're putting ourselves intentionally in a place where we feel uncomfortable and hungry. And, and neither of those are ends in, in themselves. Biblical fasting is not about dieting for physical health. So we're not talking about like, uh, you know, intermittent fasting for, for weight issues as good and helpful as that might be for you physically or whatever. Biblical fasting is not primarily about self-denial, as if that's the end goal, just simply denying ourselves. That would be an aesthetic practice that would be kind of an end in itself. That's not what we're shooting for here. Biblical fasting always centers on spiritual purposes, specifically on seeking the Lord, the Lord Jesus, that is. 
Now, as I fasted, I've sensed a, a kind of a depth of spiritual sensitivity that wasn't there before. My praying is different, you know, focused in different ways. In fasting, God really does teach us that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know, Colossians uh, uh, refers to uh, uh, the Lord as the one in whom uh, all things hold together. I like to imagine that's pretty active. You know, when you get to the outer edges of physics, we still can't explain all the forces that hold things together. But theologically we can. So, you get the point. Why fast? Jesus fasted. Jesus expected us to fast. Fasting reveals our need. Fasting reveals the one who meets our need. So let's try it. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to try this this week. In the Bible, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Jesus told us how to fast. Don't disfigure your face. Don't make an external show. Because when we do that, that's an approval-seeking thing, right? And if you make it all the show, you might get the approval you are seeking, but that's all you'll, that's all you'll get, right? That you'll receive your reward in full. That's how Jesus said that. Uh, so don't do that. <laughs> also, fasting is not a religious checkbox, something to do and check off the list, hoping God will be pleased just because we did it. If that's our approach, then also, like Jesus said, we will receive our reward in full. We'll feel good about ourselves because we did a religious thing. That's not the idea either. Fasting centers on Jesus. The point of fasting is to abstain from food for something for the purpose, sorry, to abstain from something for the purpose of seeking the Lord. It's a healthy habit that helps us say to the Lord, I want more of you and less of all the other stuff which I've been trying to use to fill myself up. So here it is, the, the challenge, fast from something for 24 hours. I suggest you start with food unless there's some health reason for you not to do that. Uh, or, or maybe the Lord would lead you to fast from something else. And, and if if Lord is leading you to do that, by all means, do that. All right? Maybe the Lord would lead you to fast from screens. We live in a world of so many screens, our phones, our computers. What? Maybe that's a particularly distracting thing for you. So just to stop um, Maybe it's the news. Maybe when you watch the news, you either get really amped up or fall deeper into utter ambivalence. And you just need to stop. Right? Just fast from that. Or, or, you know, or whatever. whatever. Maybe there's a, something that's kind of chief spiritual distraction for you. And you just need to not engage that. Right? You, you, you know. We have to figure these things out for ourselves. But don't get lost in thinking too hard about it. If, you, if, if there's nothing special, just start with food. And try it. I suggest from sundown one day until sundown the following day. During that time, drink only water and plan in three times of prayer. Put it on your calendar now as meal replacement activities. Doesn't have to be during the actual meal time because some of us with young families, that would be really hard, right? Or it could be hard for other reasons. But don't just go without eating. Plan in times to seek the Lord somehow. If you have questions for the Lord, bring your questions to him. He's big enough. He can handle them. Um, If you're feeling down, do what the scripture says. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
Which means as Christians, if we're feeling down, if we're feeling low, we have an incredible tool. We can choose intentionally to worship God, to to direct our attention to God, to sing songs to the Lord, to bless the Lord with expressions of thanks and praise and tell tell the Lord how grateful we are for everything he's done for us. It's it's a powerful tool if we're feeling down. Seek the Lord in these times. Friends, fasting is one of the most countercultural healthy habits we can engage because we live in an age where instant gratification is the norm, the expectation even. And fasting says, Lord, I want you more than the thing I use to fill my emptiness. I encourage you to engage it. It's a powerful habit. And may the Lord bless you as you seek him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, would you? Lord Jesus, we bless and thank you that we live in a world where a resurrection has happened, that you're alive right now that you love us, that you love this world, that your purposes for us in this world are good, that you've done everything you've done, that we might be uh, saved, enlivened, that we might flourish now and forever. So God, if there's any fog that has crept into our spirits or minds, please clear that away. If there are barriers preventing us from moving forward with you in faith, God, pour out your spirit on us and provide what's needed to to overcome those barriers, to surmount them so that we can move forward with you. We believe in you, Lord. We believe that we are eternal creatures you have created. Help us see that. Help us live like that. Give us clarity that we might follow you faithfully and bear witness to the name of Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen.